God. Yeah. Hi, guys. Hey, this is Doug Fletcher. Welcome back to What's the Hazard? It is, uh, what is it? I wrote down July. It's August. Oh, my God. It's August 6th. I should know that. Yep. Because today is... My wife's birthday. Your wife's birthday. My anniversary. This is my 27th anniversary. Congratulations, Doug. Yeah, man. And, uh, well, mine and my wife's. I oh, suppose. There, we got married the same day. <laughs> we got married the same day. Exactly. It is also the anniversary of the bombing of Hiroshima. I don't know if that is coincidence or if there is some correlation there, but my anniversary and the bombing of Hiroshima happened on the same day. And my day. wife's birthday. And your wife's birthday. Yeah, very exciting. Nice. So, hey, welcome back to What's the Hazard? This is a podcast where we talk about safety. We bring in safety professionals. We talk about workplace safety and health. Uh, it can also be used as a sleep aid, I'm told, but um, hopefully under controlled circumstances. So, and... Uh, I think we all realize that this is important stuff, and it's, hopefully it's useful and uh, helpful. Uh, that's the intent. Um, just one thing before we get started, I want to thank my sponsors. As always, we are really fortunate to, to have this opportunity, and it's because of three incredibly generous folks. Um, Jim Cover at the uh, Nebraska Department of Labor On-Site Consultation Group. Thank you, Jim. John Falowich, Falowich Construction Services. And Cheyenne Wolford, Custom Concrete Specialists, uh, your support is really important to us. It, it gets this out every week, and uh, I sincerely appreciate it. So thank you, guys. I've got two guests in the studio today, and uh, this is a brand-new studio. Cam, we moved into a new location. It looks very professional, man. How do you like this view? Uh, the view is awesome. Now, S- yeah. Scott put his back to it, but I think it's fantastic. Trees and, we, and grassy knoll. Yeah, it's like I, I can sit here all day. It is nice. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's a beautiful day here in Omaha, man. The sun is shining. It's going to be warm this weekend, but, man, all in all, terrific. Uh, we're grateful to have it. So we're going to talk about electrical safety today. And I've got Scott Love, Miller Electric, Don Davids, ABC Electric, um, two electrical safety professionals, we were just talking about a moment ago before we even stepped into the studio that all of us basically came to this profession in in somewhat indirect route. I mean, we were not, I don't know if any of us were intending to be safety professionals. Not me. I started off as an electrician. Electrician out in the field? Yep. How about yeah. you, Scott? Same uh, thing? Construction management. Construction management. Yeah. Uh, as did I, man. I, I started out basically as a biochemist, you know, and I mean, I ended up... Uh, you know, wanting to eat and live indoors. And so I, I took this job as an industrial hygienist. And uh, 35 years later, it's been a tremendous career. Would you agree? I mean, have you enjoyed your time as a safety professional? I've had ups and downs. Have you? Yes. It took me a while to get into uh, the safety mode of things, you know. I mean, I was swimming at first. Yeah. Uh, I went to some really good safety guys mm-hmm. and got their input. Good. Ruben Barra, as sure. you know, was one of the first ones. Uh, 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 John at the Med Center. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a couple guys that really helped me get started on it. It wasn't until I got out in the field and started to realize that um, if I was swimming in it, so were our guys. And once I started figuring out how to, you know, keep safety as simple as possible, yeah, um, it got better. That's a good point, man. Yeah. But it is. It, you're just kind of like uh, you learn by immersion. You just get thrown into the deep end, and uh, it can be overwhelming to those of us that do this professionally. And that's a great that's a great comment. That just imagine what that's doing to the people that we are throwing this stuff at. So keeping it simple is is really is, that's an important lesson 
that I think it takes us a little time to realize. Yep, simple and personal. Yep. What about you, Don? What, uh, I think I was kind of lucky because, you know, I started off as an electrician, you know, and was eventually on to the uh, company safety committee. Oh, yeah. When that first started way back in, oh, probably 1998, maybe, uh, and or actually 88, excuse me. But I also had been part of the military. I was uh, involved with Army Aviation. Mm -hmm. So safety was a big thing there as crews and working together. And so that kind of transitioned over the years. I didn't actually become kind of full-time safety until I retired from the Army in 2012 or from the Army Guard. So it was slow, gave me time to learn over the years. I see. And it wasn't like, here, you're in charge of safety. I was part of it. And we had a uh, consultant at the time that the company had hired. And so I was able to learn as I went. So I guess I wasn't thrown in the deep end of the pool. I was able to walk in. Nice. But, well, that's a good lesson for a lot of people mean that bring new safety people on board. I'm still underwater. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah, we all <laughs> are. Know? Yeah. So um, David and I both serve on the NECA Safety Committee. Mm-hmm. Which, which is? National Electrical National Electrical Association. Yeah, yeah here yeah. in Nebraska. Uh, it is. It's, so it's, yep. a, it's our region. It's, it's a local chapter. Right. right. So Don with Lincoln and me from Omaha, our, our chapters are, it's, it's one chapter. Okay. And um, we started this, so uh, it's maybe 10 years ago. And I got to tell you, I really appreciate Don and what he brings to the table. You know, most everyone in that room is either an electrician, you know, and then there's a few of us that, pretend to be on weekends, right? Um, But we all come to that meeting with safety, and there's a lot of different perspectives from that. Um, The committee didn't start getting good until we started opening it up to, you know, kind of a, uh, what's bugging you? What do you really need to know? Mm -hmm. You know, what is it that we have in common? What are the differences? How can we feed off each other? How can we get better? And it's grown. Oh, yeah, I think it has tremendously. The and been valuable. It's been valuable. Very valuable. You were involved. Um, mm-hmm. We, we um, had you come in. Um, you were working with OSHA at the time. And you came in. We, we sat down and we said, listen, we've got a list of things out there that are very confusing based off of different OSHA compliance officers mm-hmm. and what they tell us out in the field. And we'd like to have some concrete answers on it. And that was a great deal. We brought in the OSHA mm-hmm. compliance officers, and uh, we had a discussion, and we uh, came up with some really good concrete things that we still use today. You know, man, I, I have to agree with you. And, you know, you know, I spent 17 years with OSHA, I guess, here in Omaha, and that was one of the best collaborative efforts that I, that I experienced. You know, we, we would do things like partnerships and alliances. They were more for the paper than they were for the outcomes. But I can remember that. And uh, so we got together, the, the group from NECA, the representatives from NECA, uh, representatives from the OSHA office, and we talked about the challenges and some of the issues, some of the misconceptions we had. You know, we were reading regulations, but we were not electricians. And so I, I think we were misinterpreting a lot of those things. And they were coming back to bite you guys. And so that sit down and the outcome from that and the understanding was one of one of the best outcomes um, that I experienced. I thought that was great. I, th- I thought that was the way it was meant to be done. You know, that's if, the way if it should be done. yes, that's exactly the way it should be done. I was I was really impressed. Uh, we did not have an opportunity to do that very often with other industries, but I think we made some real headway 
um, in the electrical world. That was great. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot we can talk about. I'll be honest with you. As a safety and health person, I know my limitations. I know what I'm good at. I know what I understand, and I know what I don't understand well. And I get, you know, the whole electrons flowing concept, but I'm still the guy that flips the switch, the lights come on, and I say, magic, you know? And so I, I don't get electricity, and it scares me, and I have a healthy respect for it. I go into facilities and on the construction sites every day, much like you do, and I see um, people doing things that I'm not comfortable with. I don't always understand it, but I know when I see something that I think is wrong, or at least my gut tells me, one of the things that I think is one of the biggest issues, at least in fixed facilities in the industrial world, is maintenance people, unqual- I'll call them unqualified, because they probably are, we, I'm not sure they've even defined that, doing things that would be that should be done by a qualified person. So that mm-hmm. concept of unqualified versus qualified, and what that means under the auspices of NFPA 70E, or OSHA subpart S or K, whatever we're talking about, what does that mean? Well, I'll start off. Um, it really does not mean that you have to be an electrician. Yeah, well, that's a great point. Yeah, you can be an engineer. Um, you can be a, a project manager. You can be a safety director. Uh, it all pertains a lot like other OSHA qualification definitions, right? is how much you know about that specific piece of equipment you're going to be working on or that equipment that affects something downstream as far as circuits and stuff like that. Um, as we were talking earlier and Don mentioned, you can be the a master electrician in this field but not necessarily know that piece of equipment. Hence, you don't know the hazards involved with it. Mm-hmm. Hence, you are not yet qualified. Yeah, you made an interesting analogy before we got started, Don. Why don't yeah. you share that? That was really well. Uh, when I was in the in the army, we we crewed. I crewed helicopters, and I crewed UH ones, UH sixties. But we also in the same facility had uh, Cobra attack helicopters. We had OH fifty eight uh, observation helicopters and Chinook helicopters. The same pilot not necessarily could fly every aircraft. They weren't qualified necessarily to fly. Now, some pilots were qualified, had been trained to fly all those different aircrafts. But just because you're a pilot, it doesn't mean you're qualified to fly everything. You know, Cessna pilot's not going to fly a B-47. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not going to happen. And the same is true for electricians, same or at least electricity. It, yeah, and it should be because, you know, electricity that, you know, in most houses and offices, you're talking 120, 240 type stuff. You get into an industrial complex or back up into the 277, 480 uh, you get outside, you're looking at things upwards of, you know, 12,000, 15,000, even, you know, 300,000 volts. So just because you're qualified at one level doesn't necessarily mean you're qualified at the other. Mm-hmm. And, when, and so when we talk about NFPA 70E, we are talking about doing work activities where there's an exposure to energized electrical, right? right? So you're doing things around energized electrical equipment, circuits, where there's potential exposure. It's not like you're just, you're working at your machine. The machine is totally guarded. It's, you know, it is intact and you are now running your machine and 
I might perform a lockout tagout so I can change a die and a press or something. Right. We're talking about that potential exposure to those electrical circuits, those conductors. Correct. Those kind of activities. And, you know, according to 70E, the consensus standard, anything above 50 volts is considered hazardous Mm -hmm. on the AC side. So opening up a cabinet that even has 110 in it, there are precautions and safety measures need to be taken. Uh, Whether you're you know, actually working it live or whether you're testing it, kind of two different categories, but you still have the same hazard. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the thing is, people have to understand what the hazard is. There's a plug for the <clears> show. <throat> yeah, exactly. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. You have to understand what that hazard is before you can mitigate that hazard and make it safe for the employee to work on. Because, you know, electricity, not only will it kill you, it will hurt the whole time you're dying. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> I don't want that to be the case. <laughs> I've always thought a 50-cal round to the back of the head, you know, without even knowing it was coming might be a good, you know, just poof. And then, but that's an interesting yeah. point because you mentioned testing. Mm-hmm. And I think I see maintenance people all the time who are unqualified, but they don't even consider testing to be one of those activities that they, or even like, you know, replacing breakers in a panel or a cabinet or something. They're, they're, I think they are, first of all, they're just unaware of what the hazards are and what the issues are. And it, it's very rare that a company really delineates what their people can and cannot do. Right. It's just kind of like you figure it out and they leave them to their. I do have to say there's a lot of the major corporations that we work with, you know, the, the ADMs of the world, the, you know, the big, you know, Kawasaki's, Mm -hmm. they do understand that. And they, they they are, you know, their people, even their maintenance people are not allowed to deal with electricity. They get it. They get it. Okay. But when you get to the smaller, you know, employers, they they don't, I don't think they get it and understand the actual, how bad it can be. Mm-hmm. And part of it is the fault of the contractors over the years, you know. You, oh, sure. The customer is king. They don't want anything to shut down. They don't want their, an old term fax machine mm-hmm. to shut down. It's important to their business, right? Um. But OSHA says that's not a reason mm-hmm. to work on it energized. Mm-hmm. It got to the point where the time it takes me to go and trace this circuit, determine which breaker to open, um, lock it out, it, I can get it done. Just be careful. I know how to work on things energized. And boom. And and electricians did it all the time. Oh, all the time. Still do. Yep, still do. Yeah. But you're exactly right. And, man, that is such an astute observation. You know, the OSHA language in the subpart S, at least, and probably K, talks about you're not supposed to do anything energized with these exceptions. And there's only two of them. And there are only two exceptions. Yeah, yeah. one of them is that you need voltage for testing and stuff like that. You right. You test rotation. you got to have this thing working, right? Um. The other thing is if you're cutting off a ventilation, if, right. if this room was ventilated and the only way it's, we're staying alive is because of that. Right, some emergency function or something that has you know, to be maintained. Something that creates a bigger hazard. Yeah, yep. the hospital yeah. setting or whatever that might be. But those are really the only two that are actually acknowledged. And what, what I always find interesting is when I go out onto a site, they've added a few. They have a few more exceptions, or they don't even realize some of the things they're doing would be a violation of that. You know, but it's not convenient, has never been an acceptable excuse for working on something hot. But I'll I'll give you an example. I 
I used to work with a company who um, would change light fixtures like ballast. They'd go into these retail facilities, and they wanted they wanted it done during the working hours so they didn't have to be there at the shop after hours. So this contractor would come in, and they would be changing out ballast and stuff. They didn't lock anything out. They didn't turn any lights off. The client didn't want the lights turned off, just what you said, Scott. It was an inconvenience to the client do this with the lights on. So they would do it energized and totally a violation and dangerous, but man, they did it that way. <laughs> well, the, the equipment we work on has inherently gotten more dangerous with, you know, transformers that boost up the, the voltage and um, uh, more efficient lighting, 277 volts with, uh, you know, uh, a common ground and stuff like that. People don't understand that. They think it's off. They think they're hitting the light switch uh, did it for them. Mm-hmm. And then they go up and they find some sort of a ground or a, a neutral. Sorry, not ground, mm-hmm. but neutral. And uh, and they get shocked. Maybe not enough to hurt you too bad, but enough to knock you off a ladder, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. 277 by far, I think, is the most exposure that we probably see out there as far as incidences that we know of. Okay. You know, Um we're going to go up there. We're tracing. Uh, some, there's a bad circuit. We got to get up in that ceiling. There's a junction box up there. It's full of wires, wire nuts on there, and we have to separate those. Right? Mm-hmm. We need the electricity on to determine voltage and where something isn't. Uh, and who knows what that junction box feeds? Right? At that point, mm-hmm. um, you get up in there and you got guys manipulating wires and. Sometimes they find the problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One way or the other. Yeah. But those have to be qualified employees doing that. And there's ways to work safe. There's mm-hmm. ways to work um, uh, in every situation like that. You can don enough PPE to at least be able to do that for a qualified person, mm-hmm. like a serviceman or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, and then, but, but other types of equipment, you've got to be more... Um, more more attention has to go. Uh, developing uh, methods of procedure in line by line. When do you? Uh, how do you test it? Live dead, live testing on your testers before you get in there. What type of PPE? When do you do it? When can you take the PPE off? Um, we're getting better at that. Are we? Right. Good. And our customers. Don said some of the bigger ones are the leaders in the field on that. Um, but we're getting to the mom-and-pop shops. Mm-hmm. It's uh, starting it, to filter down. Our guys are better at walking in um, to a company and saying, here's what the problem, we think the problem is, and we're going to have to shut this off. You're going to lose power to this, this, and this. Um, maybe you can move some equipment around. Maybe we have to do it on a weekend at night when your business is shut down. You can safely turn your computers off, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But... Um, we're de-energizing more and more. Good. Uh, and, yeah, I, and I, I think people are getting to understanding why, and I think a lot of that is the uh, mentality of the electricians are, are is changing. Because, you know, when Agreed. I started in the trade 36 years ago, uh, you want to shut it off? What are you, wuss? Just right. get up there and do it. Mm-hmm. You know, when I started in the trade, we didn't have fall protection in bucket trucks or aerial lifts of right. any kind. right. Now, guys are like, hey, where's the, where's the harness? i got to go up there. They're changing, and I think the electricians are changing. 
you know, the mentality of, yeah, I'm an electrician, but that means I know to shut it off before I hurt myself because, you know, my son, he's a mechanic. And I asked him one day, I says, could you change a fan belt on a car running? Well, probably, but that'd be stupid. You're right. It is. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to do it because it's not, you know, by the time you put the gloves on and the mat, you know, the shields and you've already burned up your production time. So you might as well shut it off, done it dead, put it back on. You just yeah. sped up production. People are starting to understand that. I shouldn't say starting right now, but you know, over the past, you know, five to 10 years, people are understanding and that mentality is changing as us old guys retire and leave. Mm-hmm. The new guys can come up and do it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that, is that true? I mean, that, that's an interesting so. that, you know, the old school oh, yeah. electricians who did everything hot and didn't care about it. Yeah. You work at hot because you are an electrician. Mm-hmm. Now it's, I'm smart enough as an electrician to know I should shut it off. Yeah. Interesting. It's, it's, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Oh, I am too. <laughs> yeah. But I'll, I'll also say that uh, in, because we see our retirees a lot, and I've had a number of them come up and say, boy, I wish things were that way when I was working. Really? Because I, I do believe that the person that comes up and says, what are you, wuss? Are the, they're the, the, the silent majority of people are standing back going, no, that's, that's pretty much common sense. Mm-hmm. You know, if we could do it that way, we would have, mm-hmm. but we were, we were all pressured to sure to do it the wrong way. Right. In, in every aspect of work, you know, on construction sites, in fixed facilities and in industrial sites, that was just the mentality Kind of that old, um, I was talking with my buddy Aaron Cerrone this morning about that. It's kind of the uh, Vince Lombardi era versus this new, whatever, you know, this new coach who, the, you know, the, the players love and, you know, who's a father figure to them as much as anything. I think that has changed significantly. And are employees more comfortable not following that old school, that pressure? Or do they still feel that pressure if it's there? I think they still feel the pressure, but... They're getting better at getting past it, you know. Uh, we've still got guys that are hardcore, old. I'm sure Miller's got them too. But the younger guys just kind of ignore them <laughs> because they know that right. you're going to be gone in a few years, old man, so I'm just going to mm-hmm. do it my way because I've got to. And and voltages and things have changed. You know, the way they they switch it and the harmonics and everything else that's involved, it, it Things are more hazardous now than they were. Really? Yep. Interesting. So so let's talk about, so I'm glad to hear that you're seeing progress. I'm not sure OSHA has necessarily done its part either, because this is always something that I know me personally and probably other compliance personnel, this is not something that we have a great, at least I did not have a great comfort with. And so it was something that it was easy to just kind of gloss over. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I would ask them if they had PPE or something or if they had done some kind of a hazard analysis or whatever, but it wasn't something that I would probe deeply into. If they had a few stickers on their cabinets or something, I was happy and I moved on. It has nothing to do with whether they're doing it correctly or not. I think the stickers you just bought from off Amazon, stuck them on, and the OSHA guy would ignore it, hopefully. You know, so I'm glad to hear we're making progress because it it is something that is really scary to me and i i know maintenance guys who do things that they should not be doing they're in live you know cabinets all the time or mm-hmm. in mcs or whatever it is you know they're they're doing things they shouldn't be doing and it really scares me so Doug, our policy 
at Miller Electric is we will not work on live energized parts, exposed live energized parts, mm-hmm. period. And then you turn the page and, well, mm-hmm. we have to. Right. And what we've done is we said, listen, we're not going to train everybody to be qualified. Right. To do this work. It's going to be a, a group of people we know and trust can follow rules, think for themselves. Um, so all we ask is that when you do suspect or know that you have to work on something energized, um, that we now come together and have a conversation. And NPA 70E in OSHA, as of late, says there needs to be that conversation between the host employer, the employer, and NFPA 70 takes it one step further and says you need to have that conversation with the employee. In turn, NFPA 70E puts some responsibility, accountability, and um, an avenue for um, responsibility even down to the employee. OSHA really doesn't do that. Right. And... That's good. The whole idea of bringing in the, the customer, the employer, and the employee and sit down and talk about this just enhances that fact that you've got the right plan, everyone's comfortable, and we're going to go in and do it. I like that. Yeah, yeah. most definitely. Is that kind of what yeah. you guys do as well? Uh, probably not as well. You know, being a smaller contractor, we have more of our service guys are pretty much all deemed qualified and our foremans, that kind of stuff. Uh, we do, you know, our, our communication's getting better. Good. You know, that's the whole key is communicate and understand. And I do get calls from the guys, hey, we got to do this. What do we need to think about? And then mm-hmm. we'll have that conversation. I'll visit the job site. We'll go through it. Uh, we've had some where we, had, we did some energized work on, a, on an x-ray facility. And I'm like, we just need to shut it off. I said, we, well, we can't. Why not? And then we went through the reasons why not, and because this facility took care of all of the night radiology calls throughout the Midwest. Mm-hmm. So if somebody got hurt in North Platte, Nebraska, and they took x-rays, they need somebody to read them, they get digitally sent to this place. I got you. And so by doing that, we would have eliminated all the hospitals in western Nebraska, southern Colorado, South Dakota, and North Dakota. I get it. So that one, like, okay, guys, now yeah. how do we do it? safely you know we made sure we had the insulated tools all the appropriate ppe we had things ready and the right guys doing the job and it went well i I love the fact that both of you have said that you know when we run into that situation we stop we kind of regroup we discuss it we brainstorm we figure it out rather than just guys just pushing through it you know i'll figure it out as i go that that was the mentality that we've been dealing with for quite a number of years and Gosh, I'm so excited to, you know, just even if you just stop and realize this is something different, this is something I'm not comfortable with or familiar with, and I need some help. I mean, if we could get our employees, if all contractors or employers could get to that point, I think we would be so much better off. Oh, exactly. Just, just stop. Electrocution is still the num- top four. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, fatal yeah, four in construction has been forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what other misconceptions are out there? What? I, I, we've not talked a lot about the construction site. Are you still struggling with uh, other contractors and how they deal with the electricity that you're providing them on those sites? I mean, is that still a challenge? So 
typically until the end of the project when they're starting to heat up the, the new equipment and everything on a new construction site, it's mostly temp power. Mm-hmm. And we've made it just, no, there's no reason in the world that we have to work on anything energized for temp power. Mm-hmm. And if they're right. so upset about us losing power for, what, 10 minutes? Yeah. Um, we'll come in at night, you know. Um, it has really gotten to where it's not as big of a problem. Good. We do run into situations, and tell me if this is familiar, is where we have to safe things off for other people to come in and do the demo of the electrical equipment. That's a little risky in my, Mm -hmm. you know, because let's say you miss something, right? Let's say it's, you don't, you're not familiar with the, the building. It's old. It's backfed somehow, right? Um, you've got done as, your due diligence and going through and testing everything, and you're pretty sure. Um, but these guys that are coming in and demoing, they're just sawzalls and, and uh, <laughs> sledgehammers. sledgehammers and stuff like that. Yeah. They're not taking a voltage tester up there and testing that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a problem. That's huge. Yeah. I didn't realize that you were... You're being asked to do that kind of thing. Oh, it happens all the time. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Make it safe. All right. Oh, my gosh. Make it safe so we can tear it out. Yeah. We don't have a lot of that in our jobs, but on occasion you do, and that is the one concern. What if I miss something and somebody gets hurt? Of course. Oh, that's terrifying. Man, I don't blame you. And, And, you know, that doesn't absolve the demo company of their burden to do that, too. I mean, you know, if it was an OSHA situation, if we did have an accident or a fatality and OSHA came down and that employer, the demo contractor, was not doing anything, you know, of, on their own, they had relied entirely on you, they, they would get cited for that without question. But, I mean, the damage is done at that point, unfortunately. And, Doug, you know. we, we do so much safety paperwork and, <laughs> and, and uh, running around for safety for general contractors. If they were trying to push the limit on electrical safety, I would have, have a problem in saying, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. are the, are the general contractors? Um, I guess this is a gen, kind of a general statement and maybe it's not even an appropriate question, but are they getting it? Are they doing better? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I guess if you're working in Omaha or Lincoln, probably if you're working out in Bankelman, maybe not. But right. I have one general I know. He's he's had trouble with his subs in rural Nebraska not doing anything right mm-hmm. when it comes to safety. Mm-hmm. Hey, he didn't die today. Everything's good. Right. And that's the wrong attitude A win-win, yeah. And when I talked with that particular contractor, I said, well, why don't you just get a new sub? You know where I'm at, right? Mm-hmm. There's nobody else to well, get. Well, that is, yeah, there's the problem. You know, there's, there's two two electricians in the county right, that are big enough to do what I need done. So I kind of have to deal with it. That really is a challenge. Yeah. That's really tough. It is for them because they, they want to do the right thing, but the other guy doesn't care because it's, oh, we've never had a guy get shocked. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've never had a guy tell you he got shocked. Right. And right. You know, they've hit it because they will get fired if they tell you. And so the smaller, remoter areas, I think it's tougher for them. But I think the bigger, you know, general contractors understand that it it costs money to get people hurt. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Exactly. Well, I mean, what are, what are misconceptions or, I mean, if, if we were using this 
episode as a vehicle to prov- offer some training to these um, safety professionals that are working at a fixed facility or working on it for a GC, even on a construction site. Um, what, what do we, what do they need to know? Figure out the qualifications, go back to that. Is this guy qualified or this lady mm-hmm. qualified to do what they're doing? Uh, you know, but the safety professionals, you know, in a fi- fixed facility going to have to know, you know, what back to it, what is the hazard? Mm-hmm. You know, what's my voltage? Is there been an arc flash study done? Do we know what the incident energy is? You know, we we're supposed to do a, uh, a thermal scan. Thermal scan is usually a pretty simple deal. Guy in a suit opens the door. Thermal scanner comes in, does his picture, leaves. Guy closes up. Everything's good. And what's he looking for? Uh, anything that's hot, overheating. Okay. You know, so if you got hot connections. It's an infrared. Yeah, it's an infrared thermal scan of mm-hmm. the electrical equipment. Well, this facility, when we got there, I told him, I said, get me a picture of the arc flash label. Yeah, they've done studies. Uh 5,000 calorie. <laughs> we don't do anything above 40. Right. And I said, we can't do that. Something's wrong with that study to have that high of an incident energy. Right. But that blast would burn any suit known oh, yeah. to man. Oh, yeah. Uh, even, a, even a bomb suit is going to, whoever is in that is going to die if something happens. Mm-hmm. So we said no, went back to the drawing board and figured out a new plan. But... Luckily, unfortunately, the engineers at that facility, they didn't understand what that meant. Yeah, we did it. It's up there. Mm-hmm. Well, that means we can't open this. Right. Well, why not? Exactly. Put a suit on. They don't make them that big. <laughs> yeah. It's not one suit protects you from everything. Right. And, and I've seen those labels where it says, you know, you may not work on this live because there is no PPE that will protect you. Right. It must be de-energized. Yep. Yeah, that's interesting, but it, it, one of the yeah one of the biggest challenges I think we have is that, you know, as you just said, the, the the plant engineers or the maintenance managers don't understand that either. Right. And now they're putting guys in. Well, all, well, all he's doing is like testing a circuit or whatever. Correct. You know. And you it, know that's it'll only take a second. Well, generally that's milliseconds that that blast takes in electricity talk. Right. Yeah, it's we're we're talking you know sixty cycles. That means it changes sixty times a second. Mm-hmm. A blink and of the eye. Yeah, eye. yeah, no doubt. That is terrifying at times. This is why well. I'm so afraid of electricity. <laughs> I, I should be living out in the woods with a campfire or something because it just. But there's so, there's so much to it, uh, and it can, obviously it can be done safely. And now let's talk about that qualified versus unqualified. This is a designation that the employer gives based on their their criteria and their evaluation of these employees and their capabilities. Correct. You're not, there's no OSHA checklist that you have to meet. Nope. You determine, and, and just like we were talking about earlier, you may uh, deem someone qualified to do one thing, but not another. There are mm-hmm. certain activities. Maybe you've trained them to do a circuit test on a, on a, on a circuit below a certain voltage or something. Right. But this is not carte blanche, go do whatever you want. I got a qualified guy. He does whatever, you know. So we talked about you can be the best electrician in the world, still maybe not qualified depending on the situation, right? So NPA 70, we talked about earlier, um, it's been around for a long time. First start out, just lock out, tag out, right? And then when they started coming up with studies that could actually measure the incident levels and calories per centimeter squared, to the body, 
they were able to come up with some PPE for it, right? Um, in terms of what we do on a job site, and you and I, Doug, have talked about job hazard analysis mm-hmm. or AHAs or whatever you call it, the paper work that we're asked to do for the simplest tasks out there. Sometimes that bothers me because guys will just simply just scribble something mm-hmm. down and then off they do their work. But I like the idea. As a matter of fact, we've kind of tailored it as much as we possibly can, especially in, when it comes to electrical safety, is narrow that down to the task, right? You don't have to think about cranes. There isn't a crane in 15 miles from there, you know, or whatever. But um, just what's around you that can harm you, right? Because there's other things besides electrical. You know, when, when something happens, the lights go out, right? It's mm-hmm. pitch black if something happens and right. no one gets hurt right. or someone does and you got to perform a rescue. Mm-hmm. What do you do about that, right? Plan. You know, yeah. plan your work, work your plan, include safety in every single step. Mm-hmm. So the idea of job hazard analysis where you do that based on tasks is a great idea. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to get the leader on board to take the responsibility of safety off of our hands because neither Don or I can be there for every job or task that's going on, right? right? They know more about what they're doing than I do because they've been you know, planning this thing. Um, someone has to take charge. It's the leader. It's the journeyman. If he's the, the highest ranking person there, needs to take charge and you need to push that down to them. So I, I I agree with that. Yeah. And then when they do run into those situations, maybe they do contact you when they need a facilitator or an arbitrator or whatever that is. We we, we should be contacted to know that there is even a possibility that right. we work on things exposed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then maybe you can start trusting that if we're going to lock and tag it and we're going to work on electrically safe, that yes, the journeyman wireman should all know how to properly do that. Mm-hmm. And you can trust that to happen. That's, that's an interesting thought, too. So that, that makes me think of the, the case where I'm, doing a, I'm performing a lockout tag out, but there is a potential exposure to a, to a circuit, an, un, uh, an unguarded circuit, so I have to establish a zero energy state, um, and that requires a qualified person Correct. to make yep. that determination. So. There are a number. There are situations where, even in a maintenance world, you need someone who is trained or qualified by definition to at least establish that the lockout tagout has been effectively applied. Right. That's something it's, that most companies don't do. Yeah, and and we talk about shutting things off, getting them locked out and tagged out, but you still have to verify the absence of voltage, and that's when you still have to put on the PPE. You still have to to put your bomb suit on before you stick your meter in there. Mm-hmm. And people are like, well, it's off. I can see it. But did it really open? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, so explain that. So, again, non-electricians, mm-hmm. okay. what, did you, what did you mean by that? Part of the standard says that you have to verify the absence of voltage. Mm-hmm. And to do that, you have to use a meter. Right. Not a, not a proximity detector, a suicide stick, anything like that. Uh, you have to be able to test it to make sure it's open or visually see 
uh, in the line codes. That's why if you look out on a power pole, you've got these little fuses up there that they can see are open. Mm -hmm. Then they know it's dead. Okay. Then they have to ground it. So I've thrown this disconnect or whatever, but that doesn't mean anything. It might not have operated. Mm -hmm. I personally was working in a a store. We were remodeling a store. Took the main switch. It was a 1,200-amp main switch. Threw it off because we were going to do some work in the gear. And you heard it bang just like it's supposed to. You know, the spring's actuated, and the light stayed on. (laughs) Like, what in the world? Mm Mm-hmm. And say, it's like, okay, the switch open is something backfeeding. So we started troubleshooting and finally opened up the door for the, where the main switch was. The switch was still about half in. Was it really? Because it had not been maintained properly and lubricated like it's supposed to be and actuated. And like, hmm. So we're still energized at 480 volts. Close the door. Let's figure out. Had the power company come over and shut down the transformer coming to the building so we could get in there and open that switch safely. Okay. So is that like multi-phases or yeah, just that'd one? Yeah, be all three phases, and it just stuck. But even if one of them is even broken or stuck? Even if one of stuck. them could be backfeeding and shocking mm-hmm. people. And yeah. So you have to verify, but to verify, you have to consider it still energized until you prove it. Right. So that's why you still have to suit up with your PPE to verify that it's dead. As soon as it's dead, okay, it's dead, take the PPE off, go to work. Right. And again, we're not talking about a case where I need to change a die on a press break Right. And so I've locked it out. We're talking about where there is a potential exposure to one of these energized conductors. Energized electrical parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. But I don't think people do that, man. At let, least the, a lot of companies don't do that. Well, let me test your knowledge. Oh, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> you have rubber insulated tools mm-hmm. when you're working on live equipment, right? If you have to. So we use it, right? Why are they rubber coated? Um, it's got to be something related to conductivity, I would imagine, doesn't okay. it? I mean, yeah, it's kind of like, but what's it protecting? Uh, uh well, I want to say it's protecting me, but it's probably not. Is it protecting most the, people say the circuit? it's protecting you from being shocked, mm-hmm. but that's not true, you know. Um, the rubber gloves mm-hmm. that you have on protect you from the shock, okay. If you were to drop that tool and it falls into the gear, mm-hmm. right, you want to protect the tool from... From causing a, a, right, a short a fa- circuit. A phase-to-phase phase. blow-up. I gotcha. You know. Did you know that, Cam? Okay. I didn't know that either, man. So a lot, of, a lot of people say, well, it's protect me from shock. Right. Well, no, you've got rubber gloves on. Right. Prevents that inadvertent contact. Interesting. There's a lot of misconceptions like that, man. Again, what you guys do is magic, so I, I don't believe that all of this is even real, some of this stuff. But that's so we interesting. could have came in here and said anything. You, you, you got anything else like that for me? Anything <laughs> else? One of those sure other I'll misconceptions? Think of, think of something else, I'll because that's a good else. question. Because I, I admittedly do not know all that stuff. Again, my, my understanding of electrical safety is very superficial, I've read the regulations a thousand times. I kind of understand. You know, I've heard you guys talk. I I go to those trainings and try to pay attention and understand it. And I've learned enough that I, I, you know, the hair on the back of my neck stands up when something doesn't seem right. But I don't always understand why. Um, It's just like throwing breakers, you know. I mean, can employees throw breakers at their... I mean, you know, that's a big 
Yeah. That, that's a big argument across the industry mm-hmm. as to whether that's okay or not. Uh, everybody has their opinion in it. Uh, if, if the, all the panels are on and the, and the dead fronts are on and you have an idea why it tripped, I personally don't see a problem. Go with reset it. a breaker. If you are authorized, mm-hmm. you know, it comes back to the authorized and qualified. And so everybody walking down the hallway should not be throwing breakers. Now the employer has the right and the ability to say, Doug, you are authorized to reset the breaker once, twice, mm-hmm. 10 times, whatever. Uh, but generally, unless something really weird is wrong, that breaker will not blow out into the, into you unless okay. something's really wrong. Okay. If I'm uh, re- attempting to reset it. Yeah. If you're resetting the normal 120 volt breaker, it, the odds of that ever blowing up are minuscule. And, and you're protected by the equipment. The equipment's designed to take the blast and, and send it down and up and uh, right. out. Okay. So that's why you put the screws in the cover and make sure right. everything's bolted down like mm-hmm. it's supposed to be. Cause that, contains any blast okay interesting you know but don mentioned earlier that you can have um something isn't working right right Mm -hmm. you've Mm -hmm. operated that breaker several times and it isn't you still have power you Mm -hmm. want to shut it off right something's wrong Mm -hmm. um do i need to go get a qualified employee at that point yeah absolutely but why is it wrong you know it's not not totally not totally uh, uh, out of this world that you could get a breaker come from the factory that's defective, sure, sure. right? Yeah, without question. But most of the time, he mentioned it, they're never exercised. That thing's powered up day one, and 15 years later, it's time to operate that <laughs> right. breaker, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a reason why proper maintenance should be done on electrical systems, just like everything else. Every time you hit that breaker... It relubes itself. Okay. And there's a reason for that. Should I be doing this in my house? Absolutely. Okay. Right? And you do it when your wife is watching her favorite TV show. <laughs> right, right. The <laughs> Bachelorette. goes over well. Oh, I'd be thrilled to do it during the Bachelorette or whatever that horse crap is. But Yep. Uh, there's actually, NFPA actually has a standard on maintenance of electrical equipment. It's mm-hmm. NFPA 70B, as in okay. Bravo. Mm-hmm. And maintenance people... You tell them that, and they look at you like you got horns growing out of your head and mm-hmm. never heard of it. Yeah. Here's the scary yeah. thing is NFPA 70E, the protection, is somewhat trusting that maintenance is being done. That you're doing that. Right. Okay. You know. A lot of their decision-making is based on the fact that you've done adequate maintenance. Mm-hmm. So there's a reason why you, when you flip a switch, you stand off to the side, right? Mm-hmm. There's certain things that need to be taught. To everybody, not just an electrician, you mm-hmm. know, so you don't get down there and flip. Why it does like this that? breaker not reset? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you got one of you guys, or all of you, have taught me that over the years. I've learned most most of what I do know about electrical safety from you guys, from the NECA folks, and I'm grateful for that. But when I teach, like an OSHA 10 or an OSHA 30, and we talk a little bit about electrical, I will show them that you know, flip the breaker technique where you use your offhand to step off to the side, don't stand right in front of it, and I, you know, exercise it or try to reset it that way. And they look at me like, you know, just like you said, Dom, the guy with the horns coming out of his head, what are you talking about? And I'm just like. Yeah, just in case something goes bad. Right. 
It may be minuscule. I, I, I protect my eyes. Protect your eyes. Yeah, I don't have to worry about my face. I got a face for radio. <laughs> right, but exactly. I do want to be able to see my grandkids. But your eyes, absolutely. You know? And that's the big thing. Protect absolutely. my eyes. And I think people are very uh, casual about, I mean, even flipping a, a disconnect or a break or something that hasn't been flipped in 20 years, like you said, I think certainly the likelihood of a bad outcome is much higher if it hasn't been exercised appropriately and people just do that so casually and i just it makes me really uh uncomfortable you know yeah if it's installed right maintained right it doesn't have to be dangerous right um we're not here to scare everybody we're just it's oh no yeah some quali- qualification needs to be yeah done and that's why guys go through apprenticeship programs and mm-hmm. learn from it, journeyman wiremen are they learning they, are they getting good training when they're coming i mean are the programs Helpful, yeah. Oh. They're, they're in theory. The theories of, of things are taught in books on, in class. Is a and the and the folks are coming to you with some. Are they talking about safety or doing these things safely? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, we'd not like as to much see as we'd like. Yeah. You know, of course, mm-hmm. Scott and I'd love it if everybody had full blown right. You know, had the safety beliefs we had, but right. Uh, it's getting better. Our NECA group is working with the training facilities in Lincoln and Omaha through mm-hmm. the Joint Apprenticeship Training Committees. And we're looking at improving safety training for the apprentices as they go through the program. Good. Because even though it's good, it can always be better. Yeah. So on-the-job training, still huge. It's the thing. So, again, you push the safety aspects down. You make people accountable, responsible, including the journeymen who are teamed up with an apprentice that teach them the way things are. Are are you selective in which journeymen you assign apprentices are you able to be? Yes, ob- yeah, obviously. But you can't do it all the time. You know, you got a job site of 20 people. Um, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. This journeyman has to go do this. You get an apprentice to go help you. He lays things out. And we hope mm-hmm. that he's, you know, leading by example. Good Being example. conscientious in those. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Is it... Um, is it formal? Do you have a formal program for, um, I need this apprentice to be able to do this, this, and this. I need you to observe that and approve that. Or when do you cut somebody loose? I mean, how do you know that when they're ready? I'm no, our, <laughs> let you answer. <laughs> yeah. that a, uh, is it, of course, we're, we're union contractors. Mm-hmm. You know, the NECA is a union mm-hmm. uh, yep. organization, and the International Brotherhood of Electric Workers, Lincoln and Omaha, both those locals have their training facilities. They have a national training program curriculum. So a first-year apprentice in Omaha, Lincoln, Chicago, Grand Island, wherever, they learn the same thing Okay. in class. So you have that baseline theory and knowledge of how to do it, but then you have to rely on the journeyman in the field that they're assigned to work with okay. to improve and give them the physical skills. I think uh, uh, you and Eric Sroon were talking here recently about education and training. Mm-hmm. So the education comes at the training facility, and five years, eight thousand hours on the job later, they're deemed to be qualified, deemed to be a journeyman electrician. Okay, and so we rely on the journeyman in the field to do the training, and more of the education is done at the at training the, facility gotcha. at the JATC. Is it? Do we do any training for the journeymen that are going to be training? I mean, do they get some? They are required to uh, 
be licensed and, okay. and have continuing education in, in code. There are opportunities. There should be more for how to be uh, a good foreman, a safety leader. Uh, you know. uh, I'm going to ask Don a question. What year in apprenticeship do they learn to work on live energized parts? I don't recall, but I do know that in in our train facility, if you're in your first year, you're not allowed to be exposed to live energized parts for the first. You're not working on anything that has energy. Nothing. Nothing. You're not supposed to be. Right. That's not saying the journeyman doesn't say here, go do this, but it's supposed to be not in the first year. Okay. I believe it's the third year you can now bring them in to uh, maybe not be the person that's actually performing work mm-hmm. on the live energized mm-hmm. part because they're part of that group, mm-hmm. um, I believe. Right. But I don't think any, anyone's actually telling a an apprentice that here's what you need to do to work on live energized parts. Yeah. And there's probably reason for that. Yeah, no doubt. But there should be more of a partnership when it mm-hmm. comes to that. Well, man, we are running up on our hour. Any any take home messages? I mean, I, <laughs> first of all, I, I always learn more than anybody else from these. Well, Cam, I know Cam is going to go home and rewire something at his house after this discussion. Probably he just woke up, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, but I think it's you know it's kind of this subliminal messaging. He's gonna he's gonna come to and he's gonna think I need to rewire this outlet or something, you know, or He's going to hire He's, someone to rewire. Or, yeah, family. exactly. Or you're going to realize, man, I'm never touching anything again, you know. I can remember when I was, you know, um, as a homeowner, I have attempted to rewire a few of the ceiling fans. You know, I think that's what every guy does. And I didn't, and as a safety guy, didn't trip the breaker. I didn't, you know, open the breaker. I'd get up there. I think I can keep the wires apart, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, the usual bullshit that we all tell ourselves. And I'm up on the ladder. I'm working on the, you know, you're trying to balance this giant fixture while you're trying to do this stuff. But rather than go downstairs and find the circuit that is undoubtedly mislabeled from the previous owner or the previous, previous owner, I do it hot and I inevitably get zapped. And so I, sometimes it's like the hot stove thing. <laughs> Don't touch the hot stove. I got to touch it. I mean, I just have to know. Is it really hot? Is it really as hot as that, you know, that orange? What does orange mean? You know, and electricity sometimes, unfortunately, is the same way. I just, until you experience it, you may not fear it. And that, that is unfortunately human nature that we have to deal with, you know, and it makes it really challenging what we do sometimes. Because oh, yeah. many people are just experiential. They just need to experience it themselves, and hopefully we don't have a catastrophic outcome from that, right? But this, the, the electrical safety part is such a huge part of everything we do industrially, commercially, and there's so much we can talk about in this area. I, like I said, I, I learn something every time that we have these discussions, and we've had them a few times, and I hope people are getting something from it. But um, any, any parting messages, any yeah, I, I hope that the who's ever you know listening, the safety professionals, the managers, the leaders, understand that they need to communicate with those that are working on their electrical system, and understand what they're trained and qualified to do in the event. Because we talk about people getting hurt, but if an arc flash happens, an arc blast happens, your facility is down. Mm-hmm. And right now, 
uh, lead times are routinely four to eight weeks to get replacement parts. So your business might be closed four to eight weeks because you have no electricity because the electrician, something happened, whether it made a mistake or it was old, not maintained, and it just blew up and you are now out of business for eight weeks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. The one thing's for certain, even if no one gets hurt, your facility is going to go down. Yeah. Or that, what you're working on. Yeah. Whatever it's feeding, it's going to go down. And uh, let's be honest, some people are motivated by the thought of having employees hurt and some are motivated by the... The thought of having their business down for eight weeks, whatever motivates you, I honestly don't care, but just doing the right thing and making sure that we don't have unqualified people doing qualified work by definition or exposing themselves to these energized pieces of equipment is really whatever gets you there. I don't care. Just get there. Yeah. You know, I think the one thing that the, uh, the owner GC need to do is ensure that whoever they're hiring to do their work uh, for electrical is qualified Mm -hmm. or doing the right things. Yeah. That's basically what all you really need to do. Mm -hmm. And you leave it in the hands of them, right? Yeah. Because there's just some things that a master agreement isn't going to cover everything. Right. Now, okay, so now we have to go into part two of this episode because you just said something so... um, there, I have worked with a number of employers, host, again, fixed facilities where they have done nothing along the lines of NFPA 70E. They really have done nothing. They have done no assessment. They, haven't, they have not done anything like that to establish, but they just leave it in the hands of the contract. We just call an electrical contractor. Yep. And, again, if you're not calling a reputable or qualified electrical contractor to do these things, we're no better off. We're just exposing, we're passing the buck down to someone else who may very well be unnecessarily exposing their employees as well. This is not something that is optional ultimately, right? And you can't just pass this off to somebody. Correct. I mean, everybody is going to have to do this. And we've been talking about this for 20 years. I don't know how long we've been talking about this, but, and as you said, we're making progress, but you know, those, those middle-sized, those family-owned, those smaller businesses, they're not exempt from doing this. I mean, we have to do this. We have to make sure that qualified people are working on these systems and they have the information they need to, to make those decisions. Right. Absolutely. I mean, it, it is, uh, it's still a struggle, but we're making progress. That's good news. Um, I think we're running out of time. Guys, thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Scott, Don, it's it. always you. a pleasure. I always learn something. I hope you guys learned something. Have a great weekend. Uh, Work safely, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks. Later. A Huda Media Production.